When is it better to lose a foot race? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hero of the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of scripture. I'm Aaron Armstrong, and with me, as always, is Brian Dombozik. So, Brian, we've given us a, we've given ourselves a rather odd question to get started with here, but there's a good reason for that. Yes, because it is one of my favorite details of the passage we're talking about. Absolutely. And that is a weird because we are talking about John chapter 20's account of the resurrection which uh, is really exciting to me. I love I, I love all of the, the the resurrection accounts because they all bring just this different flavor yeah. to to the story. Um, you know, although you know you know I'm really a, a little bit sad about we, What's we, that? we haven't because the scriptures are silent about it, we can't do an episode about Saturday. <laughs> Well, we could. It would just be us not saying anything, which would probably be one of the best, <laughs> the highest rated episodes we would ever have. Absolutely. It's like, man, these guys finally shut up. So <laughs> It took a turn for the better, finally. That's right. That's right. So, um, but I mean, you know, there, there's a lot to think about when it comes to the Saturday, though. And, uh, and you know, smarter people than us can uh, can talk about those at, uh, exactly you know in other resources and podcasts and stuff so but today we are going to talk about the resurrection like i said from john 20 and i'm actually going to kick us off by reading that passage because we're not doing a, a whole chapter or multiple chapters like we did last week <laughs> so uh with that said uh here is john 21 through 10 on the first day of the week Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. She saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she went running to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they've put him. At that, Peter and the other disciple went out, heading for the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and got to the tomb first. Stooping down, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he didn't go in. Then, following him, Simon Peter also came. He entered the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. The wrapping that had been on his head was not lying with the linen cloths, but was folded up in a separate place by itself. The other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, then also went in and saw and believed. For they did not yet understand that the scripture, uh, the, the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to the place where they were staying. So there's a lot going there. We get we kind of get the answer already to our big question of why is it better? Why is it better to lose the foot race? <laughs> yeah, and, and we'll talk about it in a minute. I mean, Peter, bold Peter, he does something that John, of course, doesn't. But I just always. You, you, we can't miss the, the humor when we read scripture. And I know you and I, we like to kind of focus on this and not let it go past mm-hmm. and always draw attention to it. But I mean, twice at least, John writing this makes a point that he outran Peter. He he beat the burly fisherman um, in a foot race. <laughs> yes. and, it, and it matters because, again, him arriving first, as we're going to talk about, matters. But it seems like John went out of his way. <laughs> it seems like it went out of his way to yeah. rub it in. Yeah, it's it is it is kind of funny there. So, 
So with that said, what are some questions that we should be asking when we read or study this passage? I think the first one, if we take a broader view, and we have to keep in mind, uh, Aaron, you mentioned this earlier, we look at the different gospel accounts, and they have different flavors, and um, they kind of give us different details, and that's intentional. And so the best way to study a passage is, is in the context of its gospel itself. What is John doing with this? Why does he include this? Why does he not include other things? That's the best way to study. But also at the same time, it's helpful to know the chronology of what's happening. And if you read the four gospel accounts, it can be kind of confusing about what happens this Resurrection Sunday morning. Uh, You know, you read Matthew and you think you understand it. Then you read Luke and you're like, wait a minute, I thought the women did this. So I think it's helpful to kind of start with that question as we're talking about this critically important event. And what is the chronology of the resurrection appearances? How did that happen? So let me just kind of walk through real quick. And I just use a harmony of the Gospels. I think we've talked about these before. Um, A harmony is a resource that compiles the four Gospels in chronology and shows how they fit together. So I just happen to use one by, um, by Thomas... And uh, Gundry, there are others, of course. Uh, I just kind of use that one as, as a blueprint. And so this is this is the chronology based on them. And again, so it may be a little bit different if somebody else has done a, a harmony that sees a little bit differently. But we start with Mary Magdalene, Mary, the other Mary, and Salome walking to the tomb very early Sunday morning. Uh, we see that in Matthew and Mark. Then an angel rolls the stone away. We see that in Matthew. And so those women discover that the, that Jesus is missing, his body is missing, and they go to tell the other disciples. So they show up early, see there's no body, they leave. This is recorded in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, mm-hmm. all three of those of them leaving. So then Peter and John, having hearing this, they run to the tomb that we're going to talk about today in John 20. They have the encounter, they see, and then they leave. Mary Magdalene then returns by herself And so Peter and John have already come and gone. So now it's kind of just, I think in our minds, I just kind of see people kind of keep going back and forth. Mm -hmm. Mary comes by herself and she encounters Jesus. And we see this in Matthew and John. Jesus then appears to the other women, which is recorded in Matthew. And then he appears, Jesus appears to the two disciples on the Emmaus road, which we encounter in Luke. And he walks with them middle of the day into the evening And then Jesus appears to the 10 disciples without Thomas later in the day, and that's recorded in Luke and John. So I think if we have kind of that bigger structure, it kind of makes sense of what's going on as as we're reading each of of the gospel accounts. Yeah. Yeah. Another question that we should ask is, why did Mary think grave robbers had taken the body instead of Jesus being resurrected? And so... We we come to this and we read it with with a hindsight that um, those who lived this this moment lacked. They you know they they probably were you know it's entirely possible they were laughing about this after and being like man I can't believe I thought it was grave robbers um, and instead um, instead they when they got the fuller picture because we have to remember Jesus spoke of his resurrection. Um, but we also need to we also need to extend grace to that to his followers at that day because Jesus often used figurative language. It's a challenging idea in general, but um, but we we also saw consistently throughout the Gospels that 
um, that all of the gospel writers pointed out, but they didn't understand what he was talking, what Jesus was talking about when he was talking about raising, uh, dying and rising from the dead. Um, and, and so we have to, so we have to acknowledge that. We also have to recognize the fact that, I mean, you know, there's the fact that it's like grave robbers may not have been all that uncommon, especially for a popular figure like Jesus. So who knows what they were thinking there, but, um, but I mean, it is, it is one of those things that it's like, it's, it's easy to understand why, because honestly, we all have a hard time with it too. So, you know, we have people today who are like, are you, are, are you sure that he meant it was a physical resurrection? And, and yes, he did mean a physical resurrection, but we have people who wonder that and they try to advocate that it was not, but the scriptures are clear. It was a physical resurrection it's not easy for us to wrap our, our minds around because it's not something that we have yet experienced ourselves. Yeah. yeah and we've talked about this before where we need to have grace, um, graciousness toward the people we encounter in scripture. Cause again, they don't have that hindsight that we have and we still struggle with it. So yeah, I think that's, mm-hmm. that's a good point. I, I think the next question really takes us into what happens once John and Peter arrive at the tomb. Again, John getting there first. He wins the foot race, but it's to his disadvantage uh, because he's going to get there in verse 5, um, and he is not going to go into the tomb. He's going to stop outside the tomb and look in. Makes sense because as a Jew, he would have known going into where a dead body was would have made him unclean. So there's a process by which you would have to be, you know, go through a cleansing process. It's a hassle, so he doesn't want to do that. So he stays outside and he's looking in. Now, keep in mind, um, a lot of times artwork gives us a, a bad idea of what's going on here. It's probably a smaller opening. It's not a huge door opening. It is still early in the morning. So while it's more light than when the ladies were there first, it's still not like bright light. There's no, he didn't turn on a light switch and have lights inside of this, this cave basically. Mm -hmm. So he is outside looking in through some poor lighting. And it seems like what he sees are the wrappings there. Um, And that causes him to, I believe, suspect that the women just reported incorrectly that the body's still there. It probably looks like some kind of shape maybe of the body still or, or whatever. And so he's just not, he's not impressed um, and probably thinks, well, the women, they were here early. Maybe they were frazzled because the stone was rolled away and they just assumed they couldn't see really well. It's, it was darker. It was a mistake. So that seems like it's John's conclusion because in verse 8, that's where we see he believes. So he's not believing yet. He's not seeing yeah. anything impressive yet. Yeah. So so that's why it's his disadvantage to get there first. Absolutely. Because Peter's going to take a different approach as Peter always does. That's right. And that leads to our next question is is what happened? Like what's going on when Peter when Peter shows up? Because he barrels right into that tomb and with a better view being inside, he actually sees things a lot more clearly than than John did. So again, that's why it's better for him to have shown up last uh, because he sees that the linen wrappings were there, but he also recognize he sees that the body isn't there. So um, what is, but we see that we see that the, the, but in that we also see this specific mention that the, the, the wrappings were in one place, but the covering for Jesus's head was in another place and was folded, was folded neatly. So what's the deal with that? I mean, 
one option is, um, and this is a pretty this is a pr- pretty common take on that on what was there is that actually all of the wrappings were in fact folded. Um, so that would make a grave robbery pretty unlikely, I think. I think I don't know too many robbers who are like, man, you know what? We gotta tidy this place up. <laughs> so um, unless it's the the unless it's the robber who once broke into a house that I lived in, and <laughs> literally only stole two things: a sewing machine and a <laughs> vase. So we got. I we either were robbed by an elderly lady or someone with very unusual tastes. Yes. <laughs> but um <laughs> but I mean th- but I mean really what robber's going to take the time to r- unwrap a body and then fold up all the wrappings. Um the other option is is that the wrappings still held the shape of Jesus body because of all the spices and all that other stuff that was in them. Um, but the wrapping for the head were, was clearly not where it should be, which was what triggered Peter to recognize that, oh, he's actually alive. <laughs> so. Yeah, that really hinges that, that word that's translated. It's usually translated folded, but it's not always. Sometimes it's rolled. I think the NASB might have it as rolled. The CSV has it as folded. CSB has it as folded. It's It, it can mean either. It can mean rolled or folded. And so, yeah, that's kind of thinking is is some people think no it means it was still rolled so imagine if jesus what not if when jesus body just passed through the grave clothes you would have all the spices and everything could have packed together to kind of form like a crust kind of thing not to be disgusting but yeah and it could have helped carry or continue the the shape of a body-ish think of a um, a mummy you know it would have still kind of held some kind of three-dimensional aspect but it's not when until Peter gets in and he sees, oh, the headpiece is separate from it, and so there's no neck holding it. Oh, the body's gone. Yeah, Th- that's that. Ca- and it's a smaller group that believes that, but I I think it's wise that we kind of point that out that some people hold that, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. But the other, again, the folding. You're absolutely right. Who who would first of all? Why would you take the time, and why would you want to? It's it. The body already is wrapped. It's more pleasant to carry a dead body wrapped than the unwrapping, you know, it just makes no sense. So either way we reach the same conclusion. Mm -hmm. Jesus is not there. Yeah. Nobody stole his body. He's risen. Yep. And that's kind of what happens in the next question. What happens when John then goes in? So John is emboldened by Peter's boldness and he goes into, and then he sees what Peter sees. And then in verse eight, we see John believes. So they both come to the same idea but there's one more question that kind of begs here. It's verse 9. What did it mean in verse 9 when it says they still didn't understand the scriptures? So their belief, we have this kind of, it seems almost um, contradicting itself. They believed, but they didn't understand the scriptures. What we see here is that um, faith, we have to remember, is not binary. It's not fully off or fully on. It's binary to a degree in, yeah, you place faith in Christ and then you're saved. But faith grows, mm-hmm. it develops, it matures. And so like us, their faith was growing in time. And I think at this point when they went in and saw the empty tomb, their faith, what they believed was not based on the Old Testament, what Jesus will talk about to the Emmaus disciples about. Mm-hmm. Um, their faith is really not on what Jesus had said. We don't see here, and they remembered all the times Jesus had said, I'll rise from the dead. 
their belief here is based on the evidence put before them. So it is a good faith, but it's not a full faith. It's not a robust faith. It's a good start, but it's not complete. And the future encounters that we're going to see with them, we're going to see God continue to grow their faith. But even at the um, ascension, when the Great Commission is given, we see that some were still struggling in faith. Some were still disbelieving. So I think what John is admitting here is that he and Peter, he doesn't want us to give them too much credit. It's not like they stepped in there and said, oh, here's the epiphany moment. We understand everything Christ said. Oh, the scriptures prove to this. That's why we believe. I think John is saying, we believe because we saw there is no body, but our faith had a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we have, you know, the scriptures do talk about the fact that we, that, uh, that we are blessed because we haven't seen and yet believed. <clears throat> But that doesn't mean that that our faith is better than, you know, than those who were there. It just means that we get to grow in different ways. Yes. Um, We have a hard time thinking about, okay, what does this actually look like when they were like, this is what it looked like. And it was still really hard for us. (laughs) So, all right. So on that note, since we're talking about growing in our faith, um, you know, let's talk about this passage from a discipleship perspective? What kind of guidance can we offer someone who is working through it with someone else? I think the first thing is, and again, this is kind of the no kidding point here. (laughs) We, We can't miss how revolutionary this moment in history was and continues to be and forever will be. Mm -hmm. And I think I need to draw attention to this because for some people we're discipling, this story may be unfamiliar to them. Um, This may be the first time they hear this. And we need to help them understand this is really important. For others, and except, let me double click there for a second, because sure. I mean, they have seen many miracles. And if we were walking them through the Gospels, for example, they could, oh, I've seen Jesus walk on water. I've seen him do all these other things. I've seen him raise Lazarus. And what we don't want to do is just lump this one in with all the others. Yes, this was a miracle just like the others, but this was to a higher degree because of its importance, because what it meant. So we want to help the people we're disciples understand that. Conversely, there are some people who may be too familiar with this, and it has become second secondary to them. It's become no kidding. Yeah, we know this. And sometimes we need to challenge those who are too familiar with the scriptures at times to not take it for granted. That let's never look at this and think about this without awe, without you know, just this amazement without, without joy and so forth. Mm-hmm. When this becomes ordinary, we are doing something wrong. This should never be ordinary. This should never be usual. So this moment changed everything um, for, for creation, for us. And so the, it deserves its right weightiness. And, and so we just need to help whoever we're discipling do that, give it that weightiness. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and along with that, because really what we're talking about is is reminding them of the nature of faith. Um, and we have to we have to remember that faith is is not something that is without evidence. This is something that we actually talked about uh, just this past week on uh, on our central doctrines episode. In fact, funny how that works. <laughs> <laughs> but um, faith may be slow to develop at times. Um, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't develop, and we need God's help for that. And that is something that we see in this passage, and it's something that we can point others to and and remind them and encourage them and, that 
where they are right now, what their understanding is, the, the, the depth of their faith, it's not a static thing that as long as they are alive, God is going to continue to grow and shape them into the image of Christ um, as they, as they uh, persist in the faith. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think that takes us to one other takeaway related to that one then, and it's that we need to be gracious with one another. We, we mentioned this, that we need to be gracious toward those that we encounter in Scripture, but we also need to be likewise gracious to one another. Um, you know, I think of John here, and again, I'm guessing, so I could be totally wrong. But if he, when he first got there and peered in without going in, if he did think, oh, those women, they, they just made a mistake, they didn't see clearly enough, um, and, and, you know, and he kind of left at that moment and went back to them and say, Hey, y'all made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if he was operating under that wrong assumption, that would have not been ideal. <laughs> you know, that, that would have been problematic. Yeah. Um, Peter and John, as we see here, were two of the main disciples of Jesus. And yet they struggled to understand what was happening here. And so we just need to be careful about not rushing to judgments like John could have done had he not gone in. Uh, we need to be careful about expecting too much of others and not extending grace toward them and giving them time to grow as we also deserve grace as we grow. So I think we want just to continue to always remind ourselves of that as we're discipling somebody mm-hmm. that, um, yeah, their growth may be slower than we'd like. It may be frustrating at times. Um, we may feel like, all right, they should already know this. And, you know, we're still at this remedial stage, but we need to, to ask God to give us patience, give us graciousness toward them and give them time as we stretch them and help them grow. But at the same time, give them, um, be patient with them and give them grace and allow them time to move at the pace God is, is moving them along. Yeah. At. Man, that is a, a good note to end on. So Man, thanks for chatting about this passage, and uh, thank you all for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.org.